Welcome to Kidney Talk, a program of Renal Support Network, a show that streams health, happiness, and hope to the kidney community. You can download all Kidney Talk shows from iTunes and find a variety of resources to help you navigate this illness at rsnhope.org. Please welcome your host, Lori Hartwell, who has lived with kidney disease since the age of two. Well, welcome to another episode of Kidney Talk. Now, I have to tell you, there are certain guests that I, you know, I enjoy talking to, and there's other ones that I'm like, wow, I really want to know what they have to say. But this guest, we have such a long history, and we come in and out of each other's lives because we both were at Children's Hospital as kids when we were sick with kidney disease. So I'm really excited to in- invite Paul Seville to the show today. Hi, Paul. Hi, Lori. How are you? I'm good. Now, I'm going to just, you know, have a flashback here because we were both children with kidney disease at Children's Hospital, and we're both the same age. You're a couple months older than me. And tell us a little bit about your story. Yeah, well, I was, um, actually, my kidneys were were fine when I was at, when I was born. What I had actually is an anatomical obstruction. In other words, I couldn't pee, but when you looked in, you didn't see anything. And it's a really subtle amount of tissue that it acts like a one-way valve, so that when if they don't, if they're not careful to look for it, it's easy to miss. So what happened is that they missed that, and I didn't pee for the first couple months, but. I didn't see, my mom told me I didn't seem to complain. So long story short, by the time I started to pee, I had pus in my urine, everything had backed up, destroyed my kidneys, and that led to a slow decline of infections and a lot of surgeries, tried to maintain them, but that didn't happen. Then in 1977, I started dialysis, and then I was on it for about a year and a half, and then I got a transplant in 79, and that lasted 22 years, and then I had to go on peritoneal dialysis, um, because the first one failed, and then I got a transplant from my sister in 2002, and that's working great. Well, you know, what's so interesting about your story is that you decided to become a physician to basically help people with kidney disease. <laughs> Can you tell us a little bit about how that was to go to med school and deal with such a serious illness or had gone through a serious illness? How did you, how did you handle medical school? Well, you know, I mean, I think for me... Um, I didn't really think about it much. I guess what I mean there is that when you're born with kidney disease, and that's all you know, there's not that sense of, of longing that, you, that something happened to you, in other words. Right. In other words, as opposed to someone who was born well, and then when they're 10, 10 years old or you're 15 or what have you, then they get sick, they remember when they weren't sick. But I never had that. So for me, it felt like everybody else. Okay, well, go to school go to med school, and we're going to have to study hard and long. And so I don't really feel like it was that different. However, my kidney was failing throughout, throughout residency, and it actually failed during residency. And that was tough because then I needed to take a two-year break during residency going on peritoneal dialysis because I just couldn't do peritoneal dialysis and residency at the same time. And once I got my transplant, I resumed my residency and finished residency. Well, you know, because I, I have, it's, uh, you're one of those men that are just so determined for their goals. Well, the focus of the show today, and I'm so happy, what is your creatinine right now? It's around 1.4, 1.5. Okay, that's great. Mine's 0. 0.7. I just like to brag whenever chance. Excellent. Okay. <laughs> you beat me. 
<laughs> well, um, today we're going to talk a little bit about web resources because you have a position now with WebMD, which is a website I go to all the time to find information. And tell us a little bit about your new position and how you're helping with, I just learned a new term called informatics. Correct. Well, informatics, it's, it's a relatively new um, a new career. It's been around actually for the last 10 to 20 years, but to put in context to a bunch of other careers such as physicians, it's really relatively new. And, you know, it's funny because we're still trying to find a great definition for it, but really what informaticists do in a nutshell is get information to either the provider or patient when they need it, how they need it, and just in a way that makes sense to them. So in other words, it has to be in context. To a physician, we're going to give them information and language that's more with the jargon of medicine, but for patients, it's not going to be that way, but it's still timely and when they need it. So they don't have to search as hard or look or try to decipher what the articles say. And so that's where we're, we're in the midst of trying to do that because healthcare is in a huge paradigm shift right now where healthcare quality has been struggling a little bit and we're trying to get electronic health records um, up and going and that's kind of a struggle. So a lot of things are tough because just change is tough. And that's what we're trying to do is try to meld up all that together, get doctors talking to patients more, talking to, to business um, to businesses more so they all are on the same page so that we can deliver the best care. Well, if I think of the analogy when I walk into a dialysis unit or something is that it's so important that all of the people from the dietitian to the nurse to doctor to um, what the patient's reading is all consistent. And so that may be one of the elements when I, I go to WebMD and I'm searching something that I want to learn about, pancreatitis, or, you know, one of my friends says, oh, I'm suffering from this. So immediately I go search what they have. <laughs> um, uh, you know, one of my friends is like, well, if I have your address, I've Googled your house, you know, on Google Maps. Well, if you tell me you have an illness, I'm going to go Google it. <laughs> and so, because I want to learn about it. And so... Tell us a little bit about all the information that's available on the web or what types of resources are credible because one of the issues with searching the web is not all information is reliable. No, absolutely, and I think that's a great question because um, to find good quality and reliable information is important. Otherwise, if you're misinformed, that can be very dangerous. And to start with that question, how to find reliable and good quality information is let's say you go on Google and you find an article or you find a website. First off, a couple things you want to do at the website is, number one, you want to look at how often it's updated. In other words, was, was what you're looking at, was it updated a year ago? Is it updated daily, weekly? Who are the contributors? Look at the About section and see if they have positions on there or who are these people who are writing these articles. And also look at the references. Are the references from reliable, big-name universities or universities that you recognize. So those are things to look at when you look at a quality website. Well, one of the things that we do on RSN is we have some health information that's basic, like, you know, what's your, uh, what's the causes of kidney failure, you know, know about your treatment options. But one of the elements we try to look at is the patient experience. So then the patient shares their experience of what happened to them, what they did, and we try not to give advice, and then they can go further, you know, search for the topic. Because um, there's nothing better than sharing your experience of like, yeah, I liked PD or peritoneal dialysis because of this. 
and uh, and then you know basically send them off to other healthcare websites to do more research because it's really difficult to keep up with all the healthcare information changes, and we don't have the resources to do that. <laughs> I imagine WebMD does, right? <laughs> yeah, we have a little bit more resources, probably. I mean, WebMD. You know, um, again, you know, I, I work at WebMD, but I work for the WebMD Health Services. But WebMD.com, which is what most people look at when they look at the web, is, um, is a great resource. I mean, it's been around for a long time. I remember when I was in medical school in the 90s when WebMD actually started, I would use that as a resource. So WebMD is a great place to go. Another place to go where it's more crowdsourced in a way is Wikipedia. And the reason why I state that is, it's really easy to read, great pictures, but what's good about it is that it lists resources there that you can really go to. So that's another great, great site to go to. That's one that I frequently start with myself um, just because it's easy to read. Even as a physician, sometimes reading our own articles are kind of tough to understand, and Wikipedia just makes it simple. For the most part, they're, they're pretty accurate, so I feel comfortable stating that. And having said that, you, put a, 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 um, you actually stated your website and your website is great because, again, some, something that you have that most other people don't have is, Laura, you've been a patient your entire life, so you have that perspective, that experience, that extra flavor or that richness that you give to your information, that credibility. And I think it comes through. Every time I read it, I can actually feel you coming across. Yeah, my, I want to have a heart in my articles. You know, the whole goal is, does it have any heart? <laughs> Uh, because, uh, you know, my slogan is, is an illness is too demanding when you don't have hope. So if you can read the healthcare statistics or you can read the information, but what's going to give you the motivation to get out of bed and apply it? And I think stories like yours and mine and the hundreds of thousands of other people who've survived kidney disease and have done well are what help people continue to get up every day and do all the things they need to do to be able to um, live a good, healthy life. Oh, I think absolutely. I think people, when they read your story, they can relate because they understand it's credible because there are things you say that actually it's the more subtle things. It may not jump out at you, but it's the more subtle things where, yeah, you know, she has, she has that right. And, again, it's, it's more of, a, of that sense that they get from it that, you know, that, that's credible. And that's what I think reaches people. It's like art. Art yeah. really touches and reaches people, and that's what we need more in medicine. Well, you know, I always say I have a Ph.D. from the School of Hard Knocks. <laughs> I don't know if that's actually, maybe we could work on that and, you know, start a degree system for the survivors in the community. Well, there's nothing better than experience. <laughs> exactly. You live through it, and, and that's education enough in itself. Is there any tips that you can give when you're searching a healthcare topic, like being more specific, or let's say, you know, you want to put kidney disease in, or should you put in more more targeted type of information? Because I know that you, you type in some words into searching and you get like 50,000 pages. And are there any tips for the novice? Yeah, I think for the novice especially, um, don't be too specific because, you know, especially when you see a doctor, they tell you what you have. And usually with kidney diseases, it's some long foreign kind of name to you. And if you're a novice and you really don't understand it, it, you can type it in exactly into Google or what have you, and you're going to get all these articles that it's still going to be hard to read. So what I would start with is first start off with basic kidney disease. Really try to understand that because really whatever disease you have, 
fact is, it's affecting your kidney. So just understanding how the kidney works and what kind of problems can affect it and what happens when you don't have kidneys. Just getting that basics of the very basics down really takes you 90%. Then the other stuff on diseases come in. And where that really is important as well is like in diabetes, it's important because even when you get a transplant, doesn't mean your diabetes goes away unless you get a pancreas transplant and all that, but that's different. But your diabetes itself can affect the transplant kidney as well. So that's where it becomes important. But just for the novice to start, I would start with really general words like kidney problems or kidney disease and start there. Again, Wikipedia is great. Um, again, RSN is great, you know, putting a plug there because, again, I really think that you've actually made it to where people can really understand what you're saying. I think that's a great place to go. And National Kidney Foundation. I mean, National Kidney Foundation is a huge resource for, for um, information for um, um, kidney patients. Now, if you're already on dialysis, if you're already that far, then you have the AAKP or American Association of Kidney Patients. That's a great resource for dialysis patients. And then, um, of course, there's transplant patients and so forth. But Facebook also, for, for those of you who are really into Facebook or Twitter, both the National Kidney Foundation and American Association of Kidney Patients is on there as well. So that's a way of getting good information. I like Twitter in a way because it gives you those just really short sentences. You're restricted to 140 characters. And those short snippets of information, sometimes they're nice little pearls that you can get. And it's just enough to absorb and think about. I know. I'm surprised to find sometimes people don't understand what the kidneys do that have had kidney disease for a long time. They don't understand that they regulate hormones. They do so many things for you. And um, if you don't understand what can happen to you when your kidneys don't work and how to prevent it, you can have some really serious long-term effects of kidney failure. I mean, we've had lots of friends that we've lost over the years or had debilitating problems because they didn't, you know, manage their diet when they were on dialysis or different things that they could have done to be more proactive because I don't know if they didn't understand or they were depressed, but it's really hard to watch. Yeah, I've experienced that too. It's just having a lot of friends who've passed away and just, um, um, you know, especially patients on dialysis where, now granted, it is a very difficult diet to keep and I've struggled with it myself. I'm not going to say I didn't. It's hard, but um, I agree. I just echo what you say. It's, um, it's important that you follow it and that you understand the basics and why it's important. Well, and it's it's true. And one of the best ways to learn, and you probably know this, but tell me, I may remember, show me, I may forget, but but involve me and I'll understand. Uh, that may not be the exact quote, but I think one of the things that's really helpful to retain health information is to either, you have to go tell somebody what you learned. <laughs> Whenever you read something, then go share it with your husband or your mom or your sister or brother, and then try to explain what you just learned. And that's the best way to retain it, I've found over the years, because it's a lot of information to take in. <laughs> I totally agree with you. Actually, in medicine, when I was going to residency, there's a saying, it's see one, do one, and teach one. When you get to the teach one, then you really know it. Right. If you can teach it or if you can explain it, then that's uh, you become a master at the topic. 
So, well, Paul, thank you so much for um, sharing this information and, you know, understanding that, you know, a lot of healthcare professionals are developing the information and, and some of the healthcare professionals have the patient experience, which I think makes you very valuable to WebMD. So I hope they're compensating you and giving you incredible health insurance because <laughs> that's what every patient wants, right? Incredible health insurance. That's all we, that's all we want. <laughs> As patients, that's all we think about. No, WebMD is great. You know, I, I, I love it here. I love what I'm doing. And, and, you know, I'm just hoping that I can give back what was given to me. I mean, I'm sure you feel the same way. Just having a transplant, and, and I think the whole thing about it, and I remember um, um, Dr. Panisi a long time ago. He was, he, you know, I, you probably remember him, Lori. Yes, I do remember Dr. Panisi. Oh, wow, what a flashback. Yeah, I mean, he t- I remember he told my mom one time, my mom was scared about um, me playing soccer on the field because, you know, it was just contact sports weren't weren't um, weren't allowed, but soccer was one of those ambiguous ones. And I remember him telling my mom. He looked at her and said this. He said, uh, "Maria, the transplant was to give him a second chance of life. Let the boy be a boy." Yep. And I think that just encapsulates what what transplant and what what it's it's the hope that it gives us, which. Is why, again, leading back to your site, what you're trying to do, it's all about hope and to live a second chance in life and to enjoy it and to go as far as you can. And um, I congratulate you for the show and what you've done. Thank you, Paul. I look forward to seeing you soon. Thanks for listening to Kidney Talk, a program of Renal Support Network. Please make sure to find us on Facebook or sign up for our newsletter at rsnhope.org. Kidney Talk is intended for informational purposes only. It is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment from your physician. Always seek the advice of your own health care provider regarding your medical condition.